Welcome to Behold, a podcast for women longing to live a life worthy of the call they have received. I'm Christy Horsch, and this is episode 103. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Behold podcast. I am so grateful to be here with you today. You know, we all face big challenges in our lives, things that feel really big and are, in fact, really big. But sometimes, sometimes we have smaller challenges that our brain makes into a really big deal. We kind of spiral from them. And so today, we are going to talk about when the small things feel big. Let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, come and illuminate our hearts and our minds. Give us eyes to see as you see. Show us the thoughts in our mind that are true, and the thoughts that aren't true. Give us the wisdom to discern that so that we can let go of the things, the lies that we hold on to and embrace the truth that you've planted in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, so I'm gonna use some personal examples today because I'm very good at this. You might be too. Taking these small things that even in the moment seem big, but in the grand scheme of things are small things and we just kind of blow them up out of proportion in our minds. And in the moment, it doesn't feel like we're doing that. In the moment, we feel like we're having an appropriate response to that. But then we look back at it later and we're like, wow, I was not emotionally regulated through that. And maybe you're not a coach, so you don't use the word emotionally regulated as frequently as I do. But you think, wow, maybe I overreacted. Maybe it wasn't quite worth that. So the other day, things were rough, okay? We were at that point about 20 days into our homeschool year and things hadn't been perfect, but the overall of quality of our school year, I would have defined it as peaceful and productive. Just a dream start to our year. And then came along a Monday. It was a Monday, every sense of a Monday, and it just ended up being really rotten. I had been really excited leading up to it. Everything had been planned well, prepared for. But, you know, when working with other people, especially young people, there's always this element of unpredictability. And this morning, particular morning, started out beautifully. But as the day developed, it kind of went into the other direction really quickly. One kid was in a mood, and then another joined, and another joined. And instead of keeping my peace, I lost it in a big way. And it's, I mean, to be honest, it's one of those days that I'm thankful that I live in the country so that nobody else, I didn't have any neighbors who could hear me yelling. I mean, it was embarrassing. And reflecting on it afterward, my brain went right to this place of, well, the school year's over. The year was a failure. You're never going to get this right. Might as well give up. You'll never have the emotional regulation to pull this off. There's no point. Wow. Did you see how quickly my brain went from this is a bad moment to there's no point in anything. This is a bad day to the entire year is ruined. I share this story with you to demonstrate that even though I practice these tools regularly and I can often stop myself and change these thoughts, I'm not perfect at this. And furthermore, I wanted to demonstrate 
that our brains are very dramatic, sometimes overly dramatic. Here's another example. A few of my daughters play volleyball and one had an off game this week and she started to cry on the way home. And I asked her, what's wrong? And she told me that she had played terribly and that they were gonna kick her off the team. She had no reason to think that she was gonna be kicked off the team. We continued to talk about it and she told me that no one on her team liked her anymore because she played so badly. I asked her if they acted like it or acted like they were mad at her or said anything to give her evidence of that. No, no, her teammates and her coach had been kind and encouraging and really thoughtful to her throughout the game and after the game. So there was nothing saying that she's going to be kicked off the team or that her teammates didn't like her. This is why sometimes small things feel so big. A few missed volleys becomes being kicked off of a beloved team that now hates you. A bad morning turns into an entire bad school year in our brains. The small things feel big because our brain takes us down a path of destruction. It wants to play out that worst case scenario and it wants to show us that we shouldn't try. But why? Because brains want to keep us safe. In these scenarios, I, in this scenario, I was uncomfortable. My daughter was uncomfortable. If you were thinking of an example in your own life, in that moment, you probably felt uncomfortable, overwhelmed, anxious, stressed. And when we're in that situation, our brain only sees that moment, sees that bad morning, and it doesn't want to go through it again. It doesn't recognize that this is an outlier situation. It's just trying to get us away from the danger. When we're uncomfortable, stressed, overwhelmed, our brain does not feel safe. And when our brain doesn't feel safe, it goes into a stress response. And when we are in a stress response, we'll naturally go to that place where we want to fight, fly, freeze, or fawn. And I'm sure that you are well aware of these, have heard of these before, fight when we want to attack what's in front of us, fly when we want to run away from it, freeze when we just want to just shut down altogether, or fawn when we want to do whatever, say whatever we can to make everything okay, to smooth it all over. These are all natural responses and they're meant to protect us and keep us safe from danger. In my situation, I fought and I yelled. In my poor sweet daughter's situation, she wanted to fly. As she worked out the scenario that her team didn't like her and they would kick her off, she wanted to get as far away from there as she could. Our brains, both my daughter and I, our brains went into this mode of trying to keep us safe. But when we're in a stress response, we don't have as much use of our prefrontal cortex. Our prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that helps us problem solve. And so the, the higher our stress response goes, the lower our problem solving ability goes. Okay. So that's why in the moment, we don't always have the logic to see, oh, this is an outlier. This is not something that's going to happen every time. I'm not always going to feel like this because our prefrontal cortex function is going down so that our stress response function can go up. So today I wanted to give you some tips to help you move past this because I'm sure you've been in this situation before. And first and foremost, we wanna start with becoming aware. We can recognize this is what our brain wants to do. This is what brains do. We can think about it, you can think about a time when you were in a stress response. How did it feel in your body? 
Do that right now. Think about it. Think about that time when you went into a stress response over something small, like my examples that I gave, and think about how it felt in your body, that discomfort, that stress, that overwhelm. How did you act? What were the thoughts that started all of those feelings and actions? And make note of this. You might want to whip out a piece of paper and write it down, jot it down in your journal. Because in the future, when you notice, when you notice that you start to feel that way, or you notice those thoughts creeping in, or you notice that you start acting in a certain way, that can be a cue for you that you're going into a stress response. You can say, oh, when I start snapping at the kids, I recognize I'm starting to go into a stress response. When I feel like maybe that pit in my stomach, as my breathing gets a little more shallow, maybe I can recognize that, okay, this is, I'm starting to feel like I'm going into a stress response. Okay. So by becoming aware of some of those cues, some of those things that our body is doing, our brain is thinking and telling us by becoming aware, then we can slow down and help to calm that stress response. Okay. So you recognize that you're in a stress response at that time. Your number one goal is to get yourself out of the stress response, right? You'd want to get out of that flight or fight mode so that you can face what is in front of you just a little bit more logically. And a few ways to get out of that stress mode includes skin to skin contact. And by that, I don't mean you have to find somebody to give a hug to. You can just touch your, your arms, like rub your arm, touch your face just a little bit. You will be amazed and how much better you can feel when you have that skin-to-skin contact. Maybe you need to drink some water, step outside and let a little sun or breeze on your face. Sometimes wrapping up in a snuggly blanket, taking a hot bath or a shower, talking to someone you love, journaling. These are all things that can help bring you out of a stress response. In Beckend, which is my monthly life coaching membership, we have courses on stress responses and how to handle them. So if this is something that you'd like to learn more more about, please check that out there is a link in the show notes. You can speak to yourself gently. That's what we're going to do next. We've recognized that we're in a stress response. We've done something to help ourselves start to work through the process of calming down. And we're going to speak to ourselves gently. We're going to remember you were just worked up. You were in the state of stress and you need some love. And we're going to tell ourselves you are safe. Everything's okay. And I know, I know if you're, you haven't been doing this, it sounds silly when you're standing in your living room in the middle of the day saying to yourself in your mind, you're safe, you're safe. But I promise it really does make such a difference. When you have a bunch of little kids and that chaos is going on all around you, or when you have teenagers in these big bodies being rude and disrespectful to you, your brain is not going to feel safe in those moments. So right now, right here, listening to this podcast, kids running around might not sound so scary. A teenager being rude might not sound so scary. But in that moment, your brain makes it feel big because your brain loves you. It doesn't want you to be uncomfortable or overwhelmed or stressed. It wants to keep you safe. So you want to remind yourself, you know that your brooding teenager over there is not a true life or death danger. You know that your little kids screaming at the top of their lungs 
are not life or death danger. So you can remind yourself, I am safe. And just on a little bit of a side note, I actually do this with my little kids too. When they have a tantrum, I'll rub their arms for a little skin to skin and or I'll give them a big bear hug if they'll let me. And I'll just whisper to them, you're safe over and over again. And it doesn't stop the tantrum altogether necessarily, but after hearing it a couple times, it seems like their breathing regulates a little bit. Maybe they're still crying, but they can kind of calm down to a point where they're more easily redirected. Because you know, when a kid throws a big tantrum, you know, there's the throwing their body all over the place, going all rigid. Once I tell them you're safe, usually it's pretty easy then to redirect them into another room because they're just in a stress response. They're just having a stress response typically to what they're upset and uncomfortable with. And it doesn't mean that we keep allowing them to throw tantrums. I take them to another room. I just let them know they're safe before I take them there because it's easier for me to carry them there. So anyway, just a little side note. It's a side note, but isn't that exactly what we need in those stressful moments? We need someone to tell us that we're safe, that it's going to be okay. We need to feel that loving touch on our skin. And we're not always in a position where there's someone else to do that for us. So it's okay if we do that for ourselves. We can just rub our arms and say, you are safe. It's going to be okay. This moment will pass. You can even tell yourself this moment will be over in, in two hours when the kids are in, all asleep. It'll be so quiet. You're almost there. Or you know what? This moment's going to be over soon because teenager's on his way to work in a little bit. We're almost through this. You've got this. So just speak to yourself in a loving and gentle way. If you've been beating yourself up when you're in those moments, just remember that's not going to calm you down. When somebody's speaking to you rudely, even if it's yourself in your head, you're going to become more overwhelmed. You're going to feel more unsafe because you're being belittled and berated. And it's uncomfortable, even if it's coming from you. But if you're loving and gentle, you're going to feel your heart rate start to calm down, your breathing start to come down, and you're going to find yourself balancing that chart out a little bit, bringing that um, prefrontal cortex up a little, that stress response down a little, getting a little closer to that point where we can use our logic again. So once you've done this and you're starting to feel a little more calm, then you can start to use the model. And remember, the model is what tells us that our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings lead to our actions, our actions get us our results. We've discussed this in previous episodes and how to process your feelings through that so you can move into more intentionality in your actions. And so if you want to learn more about the model and how to do this step, I would start with episode three and work your way forward because there are so many great tools in there to help you to manage your mind once you get to this stage after you've calmed things down. Another thing we can do when things feel big is we can write it all down. When we write it down, we get our thoughts that feel big out on paper. And when they're on paper, we can often see that those big thoughts are just sentences and they might not even be true sentences. For example, No one likes me because I didn't play well. That thought feels awful. If you think that thought, you're going to feel sad or hopeless or unloved or rejected, right? That feels awful. When we write it down, we can see that it's only a sentence. It isn't even a true sentence. So we can change it. That's how we start to manage our minds around these things, by recognizing what's true and what isn't. Okay, a thought in our head feels big and powerful. 
and a thought that feels hard to change when it's swirling around in our brain, when we get it out on paper and it looks like just the sentence on the page, it feels a lot easier to edit that. And just because we learn to become more aware doesn't mean that we always want to move past it right away. Remember, it's okay to feel all of your feelings. It's okay to be disappointed or be sad or frustrated, to cry, to vent. But remember that you can experience this, experience these emotions from this place of calm rather than a place of your stress response. You can be disappointed without going to the place of thinking you're going to get kicked off the team. You can vent to your husband without thinking that you need to give up on trying to be a good mom. When we become aware and learn to calm our central nervous system during a stress response, we can speak to ourselves in such a loving way that will help us keep things in their proper order. We can see that the small things are uncomfortable, but not necessarily dangerous. We can see that a moment does not make a lifetime. And when we do that, we can grow one step closer to living our lives worthy of the call we have received. I'm Christy Horsch. Thank you so much for joining me today. I wanted to throw out one more similar example for you. If you've tried to lose weight before and it hasn't gone well, or maybe it went well but didn't last as long as you'd like it to, your brain is not going to feel safe when you start thinking about losing weight. Your brain is going to remember when it didn't work and how that felt terrible and embarrassing and hopeless. Your brain will tell you that you can't do it and that you're never going to lose the weight, that another program won't make a difference. Your brain will tell you to resign yourself to living your life as is. Brains are so good at that because even if you aren't happy in your current body, your brain is happy enough that, you are, that you're alive and making a change just feels scary. Remember, just because you haven't been able to find freedom from food before doesn't mean that God isn't calling you to that freedom now. Just because you haven't been able to do it in the past doesn't mean that you won't be able to do it in the future. If this feels familiar, I want you to look into the beloved weight loss program that is open now for pre-order. This is a Christ-centered program that will teach you how to order your food in accordance with God's plan and manage your mind in a way that will stop the food talk in your brain and help you to find peace and freedom around food. No supplements, no fancy, fancy foods, no points to learn. You're just going to learn to see yourself as God sees you and learn how to think differently about your food journey. The program includes four months of intensive support video courses, group coaching, boxer support, community, plus a digital and print copy of the workbook and a printed beloved journal. If you'd like to join me, please go to beholdyourlife.com beloved or click on the link in the show notes. Use the code presale for a significant discount and we will be getting started on September 22nd, 2023 and going through the middle of January, 2024. Thank you again for joining me this week. I hope that you have a wonderful week ahead of you. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with a friend. That would mean so much to me. And in the meantime, I will see you next week and I will be praying for you.